I'm not going to have kids. I'm just going to power through my career. And then my closest friend in graduate school had a child, had a baby, and I could see proof that you could have a career and parent and love a child and really raise that child with kindness. And so that changed my mind about that decision. Hey everyone, I'm Annie Dickerson, and on behalf of the entire Good Egg Investments team, I wanted to welcome you to this episode of The Life and Money Show, the show where we talk about everything from investing to financial freedom to parenting, travel, creating a life by design, and everything in between. And of course, I'm here with my amazing co host, Susan Elliott. Susan, good morning. Tell everyone, hello, tell everyone what we're going to be talking about today. Oh, I think you and I are both a little bit on fire because this was like such a fun interview for us. It's like a little bit of like, oh, this is our tribe. This is our people. And um, so we have Stephanie Wong on the podcast today talking about her new book, Cancel the Filter. She's been on the show in the past. I actually listened to that interview back when I was learning all about real estate investing. So I remember her on way back then and got to talk to her today, which was fantastic. It's great to follow up with people when you've had an interview with them in the past and see how that journey has changed and where they are now and what led them to doing the kinds of things that they're getting involved with here. So we talk about all kinds of things, working professional careers as doctors. We talk about being parents, motherhood. We talk about being in the public eye, for instance, having a podcast, being in the media, having just a social media channel in general. I think all of us are like a little bit in the public eye these days because of our social media feeds. And then the intersection of all of that. I think that's one thing I love about this show. I love recording interviews with people and chatting here with you, Annie, is because we get to touch upon all those intersections of life and money. I mean, life is the big thing. And then how does money kind of integrate into all of that and how it all comes out at the end? And like, what is really the big meaningful point here? And her final questions at the end, I just love, I was like almost brought a tear to both of our eyes, what she Mm -hmm. talked about as far as like her big meaning moment. Yeah, it's such a juicy conversation. We cover so much and we're going to dive a little bit deeper. But first, for the listener, you'll hear later in the show, Stephanie mentions that a key resource that she used in her journey to learn more about investing and finances on her path to invest in syndications A key resource there was our free course called Passive Real Estate Investing 101. And for Stephanie, she kind of went into it having very little experience investing in real estate and coming out the other end feeling very confident, uh, which led her to eventually invest in real estate syndication. So if that sounds like where you are, if that sounds like where you might be in your journey, you might consider signing up for the course as well. As we mentioned, is completely free. You're going to get seven emails, one email a day for a full week that will cover all the ups and downs, the ins and outs of what you need to know about investing in real estate syndications. To get that, you can go to goodegginvestments.com slash free course. All right. Before we dive into our conversation with Stephanie, Susan, during our conversation with Stephanie, we talk a lot about how as a working mom and a business owner, a podcaster, all this stuff, how does one do it? So I want to hear, how do you do it? I know you have two kids. They're six and one, I believe. And Mm -hmm. you and your husband both work and you love to travel. You love to be outdoors. I love the 
pictures and the videos of you and your kids out in the snow, even like in the backpacks and all that stuff. How do you do it all? I mean, you seem like super mom. How do you, how do you do it? <laughs> like, that was the first question I asked Stephanie. It's like yeah. all of us super moms, super dads out there yeah. where I think that it's easy to be like, I don't know how to do this. You must know, like, tell right. me, how yeah. do you do it all? And then always getting the response that like, look, I'm just holding it together by right. a thread, just like yeah. you, like, oh, yeah. wow, you're actually doing it right. So, but there's some common things in there that I think are grounding in it that make it easier. I know Stephanie talks about her goal of just having kids that are kind, right? So like letting go of the broccoli, <laughs> letting go yes. of the perfectly cleaned home. I've really had to let go mm -hmm. with that. I'm a very organizational minded person, but it's just not where my priorities are. So I think part of it is learning to let go and to surrender a little bit to like, what is your life right now and how that's working the best to reach those ultimate goals. And if you haven't done the work to kind of really see what you value in this world, how to like live your own life by design. This is why we talk about lifestyle design so much. We just came out with a great article that I tried to dig in a little bit deeper, how people can start this process because it is so valuable because it is your, it turns into your North star. And Stephanie used that today, like what is her North star? So kind of like coming back to that, I think is kind of just how you do it and just taking the next step. And that's what lifestyle design is about too, of just like, what is the next positive step I can take in that direction? Not being too attached to the outcome, you know, not being too attached to like the way that the perfect family looks, the way that we might live if we had millions and millions and millions of dollars. But like, what is the next positive step I can take kind of moving in that direction? And I think that helps. But man, having daycare closed suddenly this week, that was fun. Ooh, let's just throw a little bit like you're just being thrown into the blender a little bit every time yeah. as a working parent. And then when you do, when everything is kind of like lining up, like it, you planned, you're like, wait a mm -hmm. minute. What's, what's going to go wrong What's here? going on? Gonna, when's the other shoe going to drop? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. a little bit. But I think something you said there was how we're going to live when we have millions and millions and millions of dollars. Because I think a lot of people have this perception that when they have all the money in the world, they're going to live a very different life from the life that they're living right now. And I think the key to lifestyle design is how can you live that life today with whatever mm -hmm. you have in the bank, with whatever resources you have, how can you get as close as possible to that ideal life? Because it's going to involve letting some things go, as you said, surrendering. And maybe you don't have the millions in the bank, but you're still able to live a life where you find joy in the everyday. You feel fulfilled every day that you're going to work or you start your own business or you feel good because your kids are kind, as Stephanie talks about. It's like, I think a lot of people wait and they're trying to get to a certain level, certain bar, achieve a certain thing before they give themselves permission to live that life that they want. But I think um, you're living proof and Stephanie too, and so many in the Good Egg community that you don't have to necessarily achieve everything to start living your life by design. It can be something that you start doing today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is a common problem too. Like people even just putting off retiring because they're waiting mm -hmm. to have this exact scenario, this exact recipe of the way that things are supposed to be when you quote retire. But there's so many new conversations happening about like how you can flux in and out of retirement. And I think that aligns with these ideas of like, what is it that you want to be doing as you're living your life today? And 
start building the passive income streams. That's what I'm doing to work towards this like scenario one day where we'll have millions and millions of dollars. But I'm also not like waiting to live some sort of life based on that. And mm-hmm. that's just like what you have to do as a working parent. Yeah. You have to like find ways to live in the dream right now. Yeah. And it's like what Stephanie said. She said, that she, at one point in her life, she was going to wait until she had all these degrees and had all this success and before she would start having kids. And then she saw one of her colleagues who had a child and she was like, wait, I guess that is possible. (laughs) And that was my experience too, was having a lot of pressure as an Asian American, having a lot of pressure from my family to achieve at a high bar. And I always thought the same thing was like, oh, when I have my first child, that's going to be the end. That's like, I will have done, reached the pinnacle of everything I would have wanted to achieve professionally. So I better do all that before I have my first child. And I think you'll agree with me that in fact, having your first child is not the end, it's the beginning because it's a catalyst to a whole nother level that you didn't even know existed before you had exactly <laughs> exactly you're like a whole different person in a wonderful way in like yes. a deeper richer way and you suddenly want to do these things you want to be the good example i love how stephanie talked about her like ultimate motivation behind doing all these things and because your kids kind of give that to you yeah so my kids are a little older than yours they are now seven and eleven And they're far from being totally independent and out of the house and anything like that. But um, they also are not the one-year-old climbing on me and eating snacks. And they can kind of do some of that autonomously, which I'm so super grateful for. But what that has given me is a little more space in my life to take care of me. And I think for so long, I mean, since the time my first child was born 11 years ago to now... (laughs) I've really put myself behind their needs and I've been second priority to that. And only very recently have I sort of resurfaced and I've been able to take my head up and be like, oh yeah, there's these other things that I enjoy and I want to do with my life. Despite having built good during the years when they were like two, three, five, but that was like, I feel like that was just a whirlwind. Good egg was birthed through it was another child it was like another thing but now what i'm doing is just i'm being very mindful of giving myself the time and the grace and reading meditating and believe me you mentioned in our conversation with stephanie people think the podcasting and the youtubing and that's the hard stuff it's not it's when i sit in stillness knowing my child wants to play with me that I'm choosing to do this for myself, that is the hardest thing. It takes the most oh, yeah. discipline. And that's oh, not yeah. something you see on social media. People don't post that. They post their moments with their family and look how happy our family is. Look how happy I am. But in reality, everybody, as Stephanie talks about, everybody's struggling with things behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Even like when I post a photo from a run that I do or a cool thing that I did on my own. It's like, you can look at that number of miles that I went, but that's not the cool part of this. Like, look, I got out of the house. Like (laughs) I did this when my kid was crying as I left the house. That was really hard Mm -hmm. to leave. Those are the big success moments. There's all kinds of different 
definitions of success as as you start to live a, a life with more intention. Yeah, absolutely. Before we dive into the conversation with Stephanie, Susan, I wanted to ask you, what do you hope that your kids learn from seeing you kind of juggling all these different things, you and your husband, because it's not always easy. Sometimes it's stressful. Daycare closing, you have to like scramble to figure things out. There's carpool issues like the you lost power recently because of the snow. There's all these challenges. And what do you hope that your kids sort of learn from observing you in this capacity? Oh, that's such a great question. Because I think that leads to us, like how we can be better humans in general, Mm. because I want to show up for my kids, like the best version of me possible. So for instance, like when plans go in all different directions, for instance, and we're at the whim of like, whatever's going on, like, I want them to see that we can say, okay, this is a new challenge. Like, let's look at some new solutions. And we're not like melted down by the difficulty of that. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe that's because I'm yes, seeing my daughter yes. just like melt down <laughs> when there's problems. Right. And I want to say like, let's go find a solution. But we're also not like hiding the emotional mm-hmm. challenge of that. Like, oh, mommy's yes. feeling really stressed right now with how much there's going on. And that this is a team effort too. Like family is a strong, strong foundation. And I want them to know that there is always like a restful, welcoming place for them in their family unit. And that's what I go and seek. Like, oh, mommy's stressed out. I've got a lot of things going on. So like, I just need some like family time. Mm -hmm. I need like, let's all just play a game together, even though the dishes need to be done or let's do something else. And that I can kind of like reset myself. So they're learning some of those things from them. And it's interesting because I also like want to have an investing course at my daughter's Montessori school for all the children in the elementary program. And I'd love to like pass down some financial knowledge to my kids too. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Stephanie mentioned was just a little bit about that, how we're just not taught some things. Mm -hmm. And she talks a little bit about like what that was like as a PhD student and starting her own practice. And I really like that reflection. So I want to do those things, but yeah, it comes back to like emotional regulation a lot. Yeah, I totally concur. And I think you brought in the two most important parts of it is one, to look forward and figure out the solution, but also don't ignore how you're feeling. I feel like that's the part that my parents brushed over was they were just like, let's just focus on the solution. Oh yeah, And so for so long, I was just like, I'm fine, I'm fine. No matter what happens, I'll figure it out. And then all these emotions were just getting like stuck inside me and I didn't know how to deal with them until very recently. And so I hope that same, that I hope that my kids see that there's a solution to everything. Sometimes you got to be a little bit more resourceful and think outside the box, but there's always a way to navigate no matter how devastating or how challenging something may seem at the outset put your heads together, you work with your family, your friends, you can figure it out. But also, whatever you're feeling along the way, that's valid too. And stop to process that, acknowledge that, move that through, and then move on to the solution. So 
I love that. That's absolutely. And and I want also just reiterate that like parenting is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I've done a lot of hard things. And you have. <laughs> and I would say this to other working. I mean, I think we all have. We've done a lot of hard things and then we become parents. And sometimes yeah. it just brings us like to yeah. tears. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the harder things. But like when you can surround yourself with the community of people, when you can listen in and talk to people who are kind of doing the same things, I think parenting can also be like a superpower to doing more good in the world than you even could imagine possible. So surrounding yourself with people like Stephanie, reading her book, listening to her podcast, coming onto the popovers and talking to us about investing and just general questions, like just be in the presence of people who uplift you. And hopefully that's what I provide to other parents too. I couldn't agree more. Well, with that, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation with Stephanie Wong. Stephanie, welcome back to the show. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks for being here with us today. I'm so excited. It's been great to catch up a little bit before the show. And Annie is just, your energy just inspires me. And Susan, thank you so much for joining this little trio today. Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of a power trio today. That's right. That's right. Well, Stephanie, I know we originally had you on the show way back in episode 121. So for our listeners, I know if you're new to Stephanie and all the amazing things that she does, definitely recommend going back and listening to that episode because we cover a whole lot about mental health, about motherhood in that conversation, which will add some more color even to this conversation we're about to have. But Stephanie, For those who might not know you yet, tell us a little bit about, give us some of the highlights of your story and also what led to you writing your book, Cancel the Filter, which you just published uh, within the last few months. So, hi, I'm a clinical psychologist and what inspired me to work in mental health was I saw that there was a stigma in the Asian American Pacific Islander community at a very young age. In high school, we lost a student to suicide, and our high school is a magnet school with the majority being AAPI um, descent. And so I noticed that a lot of resources or any resources were really shared with us. And I thought, well, what's going on here? Mental health back in the day was not a thing that we talked about. I'm hopeful because it's more widespread and it's discussed, but back then, I was like, I could be kind of a bridge between the community and the mental health profession. And in my book, which we'll talk about, that had its own journey to become a psychologist. But I never thought that I would get into something like podcasting, having my own practice, being an investor even. And Annie and Julie's book and free course really changed my life, as I said on the previous episode, because... I am always looking for trusted people to really educate people and women, especially about ways to build wealth and generational wealth. So that was one way that I started diversifying my portfolio. But I mean, young me, what is real estate syndication? (laughs) I'm just trying to make it through college. I'm just trying to make it day to day. I mean, that hasn't changed too much, but thank God I'm done with college. But it really led me into podcasting and meeting wonderful people, connecting with wonderful people. And that led me to write my book, which we can talk more about, of course, but I never thought that this would be where I would 
end up at this point in my life. Yeah, I think so many of us reflect on that. I'm in a very similar boat with you that I thought that I never would have guessed 10 years ago that I'd be right here. But it's the doors that open in front of us that we walk through, I think, that allows us to say like, okay, this could be me. I can move into this. Well, you wear so many hats, it sounds like, and you're an author now on top of it all. What would you say to other working parents who are trying to do so many things in so many different areas of their lives? I think the first part is give yourself grace. So the whole point of why I wrote the book was people say, how do you do it all? You're superwoman. And I respond. I hope this is okay to say. I was like, I'm 20 seconds from losing my shit all the time. And I say that because. So I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that one. (laughs) Exactly. Please feel free. It's not trademarked. But I felt like this is a way to capture and let people know that, sure, if you read my bio, people are like, oh, wow, you've done a lot of things in your life. I went to get my PhD right after college, my four-year degree, and just went straight in. But that comes with a lot of challenges. And I feel like people don't really talk about the daily struggles that we go through. And even those that pick up the book may not fully understand. They may think it's more only centered on being a psychologist and a podcaster, but our identities really intersect on a day-to-day basis. And that looks very different and very similar with many of us. Oh, I love that you brought up identities because it can feel so siloed. And especially with your identity and your experience, your knowledge around being a psychologist and sort of digging into these ways that we view ourselves and sort of bucket ourselves How has motherhood as a specific identity kind of reshaped your other types of identities? Talk a little bit more about that. Well, I have two daughters. And so it makes me more persistent and determined to make some changes in this world because I won't have to deal with it when I'm gone. (laughs) And unfortunately or fortunately, they are the generation that really has to live with a lot of the consequences of many of our behaviors. And so that's really been my North Star after giving birth. And there's many times I wanted to quit podcasting or quit doing some of these other projects. And my kids' response always is, you're going to quit? You're going to give up the podcast? And so at that point, I didn't really understand how much it meant to them to see me do something. And I think that's part of it is when you do something different, it feels really, really, really tough. And so to some extent, I'm like, I'm their living proof. And while I go through my struggles, like I said, 20 seconds, losing my shit all the time, (laughs) I have to stay true to that no matter what kind of criticism comes my way, because being in the public is not easy. And we can talk about that too. I have a message that I would like to share that hopefully makes a small dent in change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Having that North Star, I think, is such a great way to look at our purpose in our lives and get through a lot of the hard times that it takes to be successful in different areas of our lives. So as you've had that North Star and you're an example for your kids, you're showing up for people who need an example in this world of something that they could too also be doing. How have you redefined sort of the way that you feel like you've achieved success? Or tell us about like when you're proud of yourself, for instance. Well, I think when people 
you can really tell when you've had an impact on somebody and not in a narcissistic way, but I work with many clients who are struggling. Obviously, I'm like, if you come to me, the goal is that you don't need me anymore. (laughs) So when that feeling happens or there's certain goals that people reach, that's when I'm like, okay, it's been effective. We're able Mm -hmm. to build a therapeutic alliance and move forward. Also, I'm most proud of myself, actually, when my kids get feedback from their friends or their teachers that they're kind people. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I struggle with That feels good. (laughs) Exactly. That's some mama juice right there that I'll drink any day. (laughs) Yes. You're not getting in trouble. You're behaving in class. I'll take it. No. But my daughter actually received a little index card from a friend that says, thank you for always supporting me or being kind to me and having a smile on your face. And no amount of money can really dictate that. So I think I give my husband and and me and myself a pat on the back. I'm like, okay, my goal in life is to not raise a-holes for kids. And that's like an Mm -hmm. Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis-like thing I got from a long time ago. But if I'm sticking to that and I'm seeing feedback, I'm like, okay, I'm doing a good job. That's success as a person, not as like these monetary things or material things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I share that too. I got a text from another mom who I don't even know and talking about how my Juniper just spends time with her daughter when she's feeling upset in the classroom. And I thought, oh, I didn't even tell her to do that. That's so wonderful. That's amazing. And I think that a lot of us who do get identified as like high achievers and very successful people on the outside, we have these different markers of success sometimes, often because of these identities. And I can speak to the motherhood identity of I think I have friends now who see me as an investor and a real estate investor (laughs) at that and a a podcast host now, a YouTube channel star. But really, I'm like, no, no, that's not the hard stuff that I do. It's like making dinner at night and getting my kids to eat broccoli. Uh Oh, like (laughs) I got a crown on for that tonight. And and it just kind of like measures everything differently in our lives, being a mother for me, at least. And I'm hearing a little bit of that from you, too. For sure. Yeah. And I love that all of this experience and in your book, I'm sure you probably weave in things you've learned in your therapy practice because you have like a lab, right? As a doctor, you're in this lab where you're seeing how people are responding to the stimulus of the real world and everything that's going on in their different identities that they have. And I wonder if there's any sort of pivotal moments that you've had while you're in therapy sessions, maybe wisdom that you've gained from your clients, from your patients that has kind of shaped all of these views too. Well, the interesting part is that I've worked with all clients on the spectrum of mood and symptoms. And so what I found is that the basic similarity is that we're all human, even if someone has a six figure plus job or nothing financially speaking, or homeless or unemployed, We all go through similar struggles. It just might be a little bit more hidden with people that seem high achieving on the outside. There's still personality disorders. There's still substance use. There's depression, bipolar, et cetera. And so I think really coming back to that idea is that no one is better than anybody else. And we really need to understand the story. My supervisor for my very first client said the best advice. He said, don't try to help this person just try to understand them. I was like, what? I didn't come to grad school not to help somebody. (laughs) But um, it has 
stayed with me for so many years. And I think it feeds into podcasting, right? It's like, what is your story? How can we discuss ways that your story can help other people? And what have you learned as well? So I learned so much from these different hats that I wear. But back to that, we're all human. And that includes me. I mean, we get upset, we get frustrated, and we need a support network too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that when we're all kind of like seen as that, like on level playing fields a little bit, it's the humanity comes out in all of us a little bit more. And we're more likely to say like, I can help someone too. I'm just like that person or, and I think we can all be our best selves a little bit more too, hopefully. Yeah. Well, tell us more about your book. Tell us more about the struggles of it all. Or, I mean, even just the publishing process, for instance, or just like what you wanted to get out of putting that message out into the world. I might have one right here. Still that. Yeah, show us the hardcover. We'll link to it in the show show notes as well. So So cancel the filter. There's a little bit of glare, but cancel the filter. And it's awkward to have my face there, but my friend designed it because like part of it is erasing the filter, right? And showing that Mm -hmm. it's a very raw book. So people thinking that it's like a theoretical book about psychology and you see in my language. So that's why I didn't go traditional and submit it because I've gotten feedback like, please, we have to change the cuss words. And I have a potty mouth. And um, I was like, (laughs) losing your shit does not have the same impact as losing your mind. It's the same intent. I don't think it fully captures our day to day. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go kind of the hybrid self publishing route. And I worked with Mun Avenue Press. I mean, it's self published, but they really helped me kind of package it and put it all together. The point of it is really thinking about how did I get here? I talk about my family history. My grandma was illiterate. She came to this country. She worked 14 hour days, a lot of similarities with immigrant stories. And now I'm in a very different place than when she came to this country. So I set that up in that way because people, like you mentioned, look at you and think, oh, this person is doing so well and didn't have any struggles. And that is definitely not the case. And I kind of wanted to pull back the curtain behind the scenes of, well, it was tough to even decide to have children for me and my husband. And mostly because at a young age, I thought, well, I have to choose my career over having children. It's going to limit my opportunities or, of course, reality. We have to give birth. <laughs> and you yes, know, that this is work that I'm going to have to do. Yes, we have to <laughs> yeah. kind of be, as my friend says, feeling like cows, because if you breastfeed, you're literally at the mercy of your child. And so I talk about that decision making process. And at first, I kind of resolved like, hey, I'm not going to have kids. I'm just going to power through my career. And then my closest friend in graduate school had a child, had a baby, and I could see proof that you could have a career and parent and love a child and really raise that child with kindness. And so that changed my mind about that decision. Now, again, there's so many struggles along with that. So many of my grad classmates that were a year above me had kids and were running their dissertation. And I just admire them so much. I didn't do that. But one of the big stories that I opened the book with, a teaser, is that I thought I have to pass this um, first licensure test for psychology before I have my child. And my water was leaking and I didn't know it. And (laughs) in the movies, you're like, it just 
it breaks, yeah. it's right there. Yeah. And no, I was seeing patients. I called into the hospital and I was like, hey, this is happening. And they're like, oh, just come in and get it checked. And I was like, no, I'm going to go home and eat dinner. I'm going to finish up with my patients. And then I go back home. I go in. Of course, my nerdy self brings my study materials to the hospital. They're examining me. I'm looking at those. And I said, oh, it looks fine. Let me run one more test. And then they're like, we have to admit you. And I was like, huh? You're like, no, no, no. That's not timing for me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Premature had the whole NICU experience. And so my whole point in that story is like, we have birthing plans and they're mm -hmm. just plans. Things don't work out the way that you envision them. Yeah. It's just like life, right? You make plans yeah. and the planning is everything, but the actual plan, most of the time, it doesn't go according to what you expect, but it all comes back to what you said at the top of the, the conversation around giving yourself grace. Mm -hmm. And I think your story is so full of your journey, learning to give yourself grace. And I think it's so inspirational for others, Asian Americans, as well as whenever it gets to like race, I don't know why my There's brain. There's just so thought. many acronyms anyway. too. And so it's I very, know. yeah. Anyway. But yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. The uh, intersectionality <laughs> of identity yes. for sure. Yes. So let me back that up. Hold on. What was I saying? What were we talking? Sorry, guys. No, the, it's okay. No this is why it's edited. Yeah. The know where my head of, went. Like, different folks yes, from different identities. Yeah. That's right. So it all goes back to what you said at the top of the conversation around giving yourself grace. And I think your story is so full of inspiration and the ups and downs, the challenges that you've navigated as a working mom, a podcaster, an author, all these accomplishments. And I've been there too as an Asian American. There's a lot of pressure yes. to achieve. And they don't let you off the hook for all the other things. It's not like you're like, okay, you're going to get your doctorate. You're going to do accomplish all these things. Don't worry. We'll give you a pass on the beautiful family thing. No, it's like you still have to do all that. I had a friend who had her first child the summer before she started medical school Oof. and then had her second child the summer before she started residency. And it was, and her third child shortly thereafter. And Ooh. um it's it That's can a lot. be a, a lot, but I think it goes back to what you're saying. We're all part of this human family. And no matter how accomplished somebody may look, how polished somebody may look on the outside, you don't know the struggles that they're going through on the inside, which is why we love the message of your book around canceling the filter and I think in today's age, we all need that. We all need that connection to be able to reach beyond what we're putting out there in front of other people and what they're putting out there, but to really have that human to human connection again. Absolutely. Um, and you have a so, front row seat as some of your identities as the psychologist, as a mother, you mm -hmm. get to see a lot of that. And I feel like I'm so grateful that people like you share your message in book form and podcast form because you can really probably strip away a lot of it and just remind people that we can all give each other grace and we are all humans. That big message there. Well, and acknowledging parental failures. I, I always tell my daughters, like, add it to my therapy bill. <laughs> like, I will pay for your, your therapy. And so, but I think there's also, as you could tell, like, my family's so humorous and I'm pretty talkative, but I'm the most quiet one in my house. So that tells you <laughs> something. And I'm sure you guys have similar experiences where it's like constant stimuli. And so, I mean, Annie, you talked about reading 60 books last year. It's like, you need that 
personal space that is really hard to carve out. And for some of us going into the office is like a break because it's literally less noisy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. And just last thing I'll say before we move into the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round is just thank you for your courage and your vulnerability and your authenticity in sharing this story that more people need to hear, this message that more people need to hear. And I think it's a very brave thing to do, to even think about canceling the filter, to even think about letting people beyond that. And you do it so gracefully. And so I hope all of our listeners get your book. I'm going to circle back to that to ask how people can get a hold of your book. But first, let's dive into the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round. We're going to ask you three questions you're very familiar with that you've been asked before, but we're going to come back and see maybe your answers have changed. You ready, Stephanie? I'm ready. All right. So the first question is around your life and money. So share with us one thing that you're doing to live a meaningful and intentional life by design. And my answer has definitely changed to some extent because my close friend and colleague passed away last year in August and she had a long battle with multiple myeloma and never lost her sense of positivity. Priscilla Esqueta was on, I was able to interview her, share her story, but more importantly, we were crying on the phone and she told me, I'm not ready to go, but you know what? I've received so much love. I've given so much love. And it dawned on me, like, that's the meaning of life, at least for me, because when it comes down to it, we don't say, oh, I should have worked that extra hour. You know, Mm -hmm. when, when we're (laughs) towards the end, we really think about and reflect like who we connected with. Did we spend time with the people that we love? And so I've really been living intentionally in that way of like, is it, really that important to continue working or take this upcoming trip to Vietnam. Obviously, it seems simple to people. Well, of course, I'd go on vacation to Vietnam, but many people put it off until they're retired. And I think, Annie and Julie, what you've built is really saying, like, how can I reach the goals financially to balance out like the future as well as like living life? I mean, if you accumulate all this wealth and don't enjoy it, what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. And what a what a beautiful tribute to your friend to carry on her legacy in this way and to have this marked change in your life and your perspective on life. What a beautiful thing. So, all right, next question, we're going to shift to other people's life and money. So share with us one life or money hack that has really helped you on your journey that you think will help others as well? Well, I cheated and I had two because one's kind of funny, but, and it might've been something I've said before, but one, never pay retail price for anything. (laughs) And I don't care how much money we make. That is something that we use apps. We do research. We pick credit cards that give us points back that don't, you know, drain our money and so forth. So I think that's a rule that we've always lived by. But more importantly, I want to come back to education because as women, um, we're still a minority in terms of being looked at as financial gurus or even being able to be authority figures in that space. I think Annie and Julie's story really started of like being 
true visible minorities in that space and really trying to create opportunities for others. And I have not, I did not learn business administration at a young age in college and so forth, because that was the major at that time. If I had to give a suggestion in terms of what I would, to my younger self, I would say, I would hope that I would have had like a PhD MBA kind of um, intersection because they don't teach you necessarily how to run a practice and that there's so many different layers of taxes and I won't bore people, but like sole prop versus LLC, blah, blah, blah. So I think like it is important to figure out and slowly chip away at like, how can you build generational wealth and looking for people that you can really be a part of a community and have these discussions. And it might not be for you, but at least you're learning new things. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I relate to that so much. First of all, on the paying retail, not paying retail. <laughs> oh, I'm so with you. And also we do that on the buildings that we buy too. We never pay retail price. We never pay asking. <laughs> We're always negotiating. And so that's a big part of it. But also on the education piece, um, I too sometimes wish I had an MBA. I did not. I also, I majored in psychology. Um, I didn't go on to grad school, but um, I then went on to game design, very different direction. Um, but yeah, I, sometimes I wish that too. But you know, what I've discovered is when you find that passion, as you have, as we have, those other things, you figure them out. And you figure out the taxes, you find the people that you need to talk to, and you get that taken care of. But it's when you don't take the time to find that passion or you don't dig and you look and you self-reflect that there's all these hurdles in the way. And so I think it comes back to that being truthful with yourself and giving yourself space that you were talking about and what a beautiful practice that you've built. All right. Final question is around life and money and the world. So tell us one thing that you're doing to help make the world a better place. So I've mentioned this, but I'm raising my children, hopefully to be kind. My husband and I really try to emphasize that and help them regulate their emotions. Because as you know, that's one of the biggest skills that I'm trying to teach them because People aren't always kind. There's many kind people out there, but, and I'm still navigating this for myself throughout my life, right? How do you respond to people when you feel like they're coming at you or it seems like overt hate, not necessarily directed to me, but maybe at our communities um, and on a microcosm level, how do you navigate social media or iPad usage, tablet usage with your children? And how is that impacting emotional regulation and socialization in this day and age? It's very complicated. I don't have all the answers, but if I go back to that idea of having this mission to raise kind children with my family, then hopefully that's making a better place for future generations too. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, you know, I think people think they have to do these big magnanimous things to change the world. But I think you're right. It starts at home. And if your kids are kind with their friends and in their classrooms, then the other kids see that and they kind of train up to that. And same with us as adults in our places of work, when we go out and meet friends and family, if we're setting that bar of kindness and consideration and compassion, then others 
will buoy up to our level as well. And so it's all part of the collective. And so I think that's a beautiful way, a powerful way that you're changing the world, starting right at home. As well as you both. So thank you for being a part of today's show because I felt so, so comfortable and I feel like I found my tribe. And that's not always the case when you're meeting new people or are being interviewed. And so please know that I'm like so grateful for the way that you interviewed me and the way that the episode went. Awesome. Well, final thing, Steph, is uh, for our listeners, if they, I'm sure that they're going to want to dig in and learn more. Um, so tell them what's the best place that they can go to get a hold of your book, listen to your podcast, or anything else that you want to share. Absolutely. You can find the book on Amazon and I believe Barnes and Nobles now online. And there's Kindle and a hard copy. The hard copies, if anyone's interested um, in a signed copy, it's the COS podcast at gmail.com and we'll give you some instructions on how to get that. We also have an Ingram Sparks account. So if folks want to order it in bulk as on a wholesaler, that's one way to do it. But one way that you can really, really help is to be kind. I think some people just like, um, again, putting yourself out there is hard. And if you don't like it, okay, leave it (laughs) and like move on with your life. But one way that can really help is to request it at your local library and use that Ingram link because libraries have meant so much to me and to have it there and accessible to more and more people would be really great. We've gotten some orders in New York City as well as like a library in San Francisco. So if we can put it in more libraries, that would be great. And if you're interested in listening to our show, colorsuccesspodcast.com, we're in season six now. I really can't believe it, but really due to my kids kind of pushing me to continue. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you to the kids for pushing <laughs> your mom to all these do all these things. Stephanie Wong, psychologist, podcaster, working mom and now author of cancel the filter i'm gonna head to my local library and ask them to get the book i hope all of our listeners do as well it's such an important message to get out there stephanie thank you so much for being here with us and our listeners today thank you so much for having me